My Seven Chakras, episode 36. Life will bring you what you need. And it may not be how you picture it to be, but you have to open up. Oh, God, I'm going to get teary here. You have to open up and you have to trust it. And you have to be willing to love. You have to be willing to love, to love the life that you're given, to love the people that are in your life, and to trust that there is a bigger picture purpose to all of it. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body, from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's going on, action takers? AJ here, and welcome to My 7 Chakras. Before we dive into today's episode, which is going to be about mindfulness and meditation, I have an announcement to make. One of the reasons why I named this show My 7 Chakras is because I realized that although each of us has our own challenges to face, take action toward and overcome, collectively, we are actually expanding the possibilities for our action takers tribe. So you are writing your story. This is your story and this is my story. So every time you say the name, my seven chakras, it feels personal. It feels empowering and it feels exciting to embark on your mission. And as I mentioned earlier, the reason why I started this show is for you. That's right. You, the one who is taking out the time to listen to this show right now. I want to know more about you. So write me an email addressed to aditya at my seven chakras.com. That's ad. I-T-Y-A at my seven, that's a word, seven chakras, C-H-A-K-R-A-S dot com. That's A-D-I-T-Y-A at my seven chakras dot com. Tell me why you listen to the show, how you found out about it, which was your favorite episode thus far, and maybe what would you like to learn more about in the future, and who would you like to see as our featured guest? Of course, I will do shout outs for everyone who emails me. Thanks a lot. And let's move on to today's episode. So we are back, action takers. Another day, another exciting episode. AJ here, and you are listening to My 7 Chakras, a show where you get to listen to insights, advice, and tips on how to improve the quality of your life. And today I am electrified to bring you our featured guest, Eden Kozlowski. So, Eden, are you ready to inspire? Yeah, who could not get inspired by that lovely introduction? Yes, yes, indeed. Awesome. <laughs> Eden Cause is founder and CEO of Just Be, a meditation, mindfulness, and wellness company out of Akron, Ohio. She's passionate about spreading the calming powers of meditation, mindfulness to all ages and all walks of life. So Eden, I've given our listeners a mini intro to take about a minute and tell us more about yourself. Okay, uh, so I like to call myself a, a meditation gangster, and actually I, I 
take that into a broader step, a spiritual gangster, because I love those contradiction in terms, because when you think of a gangster, you think of kind of the, the negatives of that. And my community, we like to change those negative aspects into positive, and that we're all about becoming a community and a tribe, and we are fearless, and we have, we work on being authentic and creating just this group of people that are vested in mindfulness and meditation and the bigger picture pieces of that, which is a broader compass spirituality and sharing that in a way that is very, very intense, I guess, but also lighthearted and fun. What do you think about that, AJ? Meditation gangster. <laughs> I, I simply love that. <laughs> first time I've heard that term. <laughs> there you go. Very good. <laughs> and it sort of reminds me of the term called spiritual warrior because yes. to be honest, whether we are gangsters or warriors, we have that war to fight. That war is depression or stress or anxiety or problems that people might be facing right now. And I'm so glad that you are the spiritual or the meditation gangster. So thanks for that. (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you. So Eden, I'm sure you agree that thoughts are things and what we have in our minds can determine how we feel. So to get into that space of learning and compassion for today's exciting episode, we're going to begin our show with an inspirational quote. So Eden, what is your favorite inspirational quote? And give us an example of how you apply this quote to your everyday life. Okay, well, this is a quote. I actually did artwork for it over my, in my bedroom, which is essentially, you know, where I sleep and where I wake up and where I end my day. And it's it's Gandhi. It's be the change you wish to see in the world. And the reason that is kind of my focus is it's such an overused quote. Okay, so I made artwork over my bed, but I also have a refrigerator magnet that someone gave me with that quote. And part of the reason I actually do talk about it a lot in classes because I think people have lost in a sense, what that really means, that, you know, there's so many, you hear people a lot of times saying, you know, if we all need to to give service, and that's kind of the reason that we're all here, but you can give service, but if you're still tormented internally, you're really not giving the full service that you could give to the world, Uh, and we're such a driven society that the thought of actually internalizing ourselves and sitting down and really seeing what makes us tick and realizing that that really is the way that we can make profound change in the world. I think, again, I think that that statement is just so easy to say, but when you really sit and think about how profound and how deep it is, it's intense in a way. And for me, that quote, it's a life tool. It's a life lesson. It's what I try to do every minute of every day. And that's freaking hard. But yeah, I'm, I'm up to the task. Truly. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks a lot for sharing. Yeah. Be the change you wish to see in the world. And even though it's a very popular quote, it is so important, so applicable. Mm-hmm. It's true. You can give service, but if you're tormented and if you're not complete deep within, you won't be able to do your best so if you want to change your, you know, people's lives right. around you, listeners, change yourself, help yourself, heal yourself, learn more. And looking at your transformation, I'm sure people around you will see, you know what, that's a change that I want to see in myself and they will get attracted to you. And that's how you can actually change the world around you. So thanks for reminding us. Yeah. Eden, do you like meditating outdoors among nature <laughs> and among the mountains once in a while? Oh, oh my God. I love to meditate everywhere. Yeah, there's something about the energetic 
peace in nature that helps to transform your meditation. I tell you, it's so interesting that you asked that question because what I like to tell folks that come in to learn meditation through my company and me, just to be, is that, you know, there's such a vision of that's what meditation is all about, is finding that most serene place in the world. And so what I like to tell folks is, you know what, though? I, I could sit at a busy, you know, train station in New York City and find the same peace and energy there that I could outside. So really, that is the goal is to make every every place seem like and feel like in your meditation that you're at this beautiful serene spot no matter where you are so i didn't mean to get off on all that but yeah i love it all how's that yeah by extension of that very thought let's imagine that you're conducting a meditation workshop somewhere among the mountains and one of the attendees asks you eden what is the main focus at this point in your life what would you tell them okay my main focus Mm mm-hmm Oh, gosh, that's a good one. My main focus is really to be, I guess it really is to attempt to be mindful at every point. So it's, you know, we have these divisions. This is my work life and this is my life life where really everything is my work life. Everything is my life. So to be as mindful as I can in every moment, to be as authentic and real as I can in every moment. Yeah, I mean, that is that is what I strive to do consistently and it's challenging i mean but but i i am up to the darn task i'm up to it mm-hmm. so you mentioned that your focus is to attempt to be mindful and authentic at every point <laughs> yes. whether it's your work at your home right. without actually drawing these boundaries right and i think that's awesome before we actually dive into your topic of expertise that is meditation and mindfulness we're going to spend some time understanding your thoughts on the chakras and the way that these energy centers affect our life. So what is the significance of chakras in your practice? Well, it's really interesting. I teach corporate classes. So, you know, part of my goal with my work is to make it tangible to everyone, no matter what their background, what their faith, uh, what their age is. So I also teach very deep meditation classes, which get much more entrenched and entranced with with energy. Uh, So essentially, at the end of the day, the meditation that I teach and everything that I do relates to the chakras as energy portals in the body. And what our work does long term is it balances that energy. So that creates and establishes your mental health, your physical health, and your spiritual health if all of that energy is flowing and open. So that that at the end of the day, which I'm so glad you bring this up, that at the end of the day is what, what we do is to balance all of that energy in the body. Mm-hmm. What really caught my attention was that you said that in your workshops, in your classes, mm-hmm. you understand that people have different levels of perception yeah. or maybe, you know, their, their, how they react to maybe a term like chakra or whether they really want to go into that right. deep a level as far as mm-hmm. energy and spirituality is concerned. And in effect, you make it tangible to everyone. Uh, it sort of reminds me of a, of a quote I heard from one of the yoga practitioners who said that uh, we're all going to the same place, <laughs> the same spot in the center, but we're going from different points. Yeah. And so, in effect, you recognize that that person might not be at that point right now, but he or she would be, but not right now. And so you make it so easy for them, so uh, easy for them to uh, get into that lifestyle by starting small, right. but then moving to that same point in the center. So thanks for that explanation. And with that, let's dive right into the interview. Okay. What is your definition of mindfulness? 
Oh, gosh. My definition is, it's so simple, but it's so challenging all at the same time, but it's essentially to be present and engaged in the present moment. So whenever you find your thoughts straying somewhere else, it's essentially just bringing yourself back to exactly what is in front of you. And the more and more that you practice that, you are still very much engaged in life, but you allow yourself to step out of some of the dramas of it. It's almost like being placed on a cloud where you're still watching everything that happens on earth, but you're not quite as entrenched in it. And, and I definitely, that, that cloud image maybe isn't the best one because a lot of folks come to do this work thinking, you know, I need to do this to escape from my life, to, you know, make life much easier. And kind of the spiritual warrior aspect that you brought up, mm-hmm. you know, mindfulness is not here to help you escape your life, but it's help you to help you. One of the things I use on my website is I say that we teach you how to surf, that you're going to have waves in your life, but you want to be able to ride them up and down and to do it in a way that is graceful. And oh my gosh, one of my biggest challenges is to lighten up and to laugh. And mindfulness helps you do that because it gets you out of, oh my God, everything is just so serious. No, it isn't. (laughs) (laughs) Here, let me laugh now. This is good. It really isn't. And when we start to look at the bigger picture and really connect to spirituality, we start to learn that there's so much more than what, quote unquote, presents itself in front of our face, that it's so much deeper and everything has way more depth. So, oh my God, see, look, this tiny little story gets turned into this big, big, huge story. So, yeah, so let me just close it by saying it's about staying present in the present moment, but in doing that, it connects you to, okay, and this is where I get a little lofty, but again, whatever you believe in, whether that's God, the universe, Jesus, Buddha, whatever sources to you. So, when I feel very comfortable on this program with you kind of getting into the more spiritual aspects of what this can do for you in your life. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned to be present and engaged yeah. in the present moment. And that is true. That concept is simple when you look at it. Oh, yeah. But then it is challenging as well. And one of our other guests shared recently that the biggest gift and the most precious gift that a person can have is another person's presence. Mm. Oh, gosh, that's lovely. And, you know, I, I'll tag on to that because, again, when we think about meditation and mindfulness so many parts of it, you know, we see the monk on the mountaintop that it's such a solo experience. Mm. And what I teach is the majority of my classes are group classes. And it's about learning to learn meditation inside of yourself, but then it's learning how to take meditation and mindfulness and how that translates into your life and your relationships and your connection to other people. And then seeing how in depth and deep those relationships are on so many different levels. So again, kind of using that as a tool to connect us to all that is in that stream of consciousness and awareness that runs through all of us and how we're all affected by each other, no matter where we live, no matter what our backgrounds are, no matter what we're going through. Mm -hmm. Now, on your website, you mentioned that meditation and mindfulness changes your brain and beyond. Now, if a practice changes your brain, that is a big change. (laughs) How does that happen? (laughs) (laughs) Well, within very short periods of time, and I'll just make this very simplistic, there's a very ancient part of our brain that's called the amygdala, which is essentially kind of a guard dog. And the part of the story when we get to the science that just is amazing to me is even here in the current time frame, as human beings, we are on guard and continually looking for things that are negative and that are going to be threatening to us. So 
to evolve as a species, what meditation actually does is it shrinks that part of our body and the prefrontal cortex, which is the most evolved part of our brain, it actually increases that and increases the gray matter there. So just imagine yourself with a smaller, again, the amygdala, a smaller guard dog. So you don't always have to be looking for threats. You can just essentially become a much calmer person. And then some of the amazing studies that are now going on, uh, there's on our DNA strands at the tips, there's a thing called a telomere. And it's shown that in people who are long-term meditators, that their telomeres are less frayed than people that don't meditate, which is basically an indication of longevity. Um, So meditation has been proved essentially to help you live longer. Um, Long-term meditators also showed that their brain cortexes shrink minimally, if not at all, which is, again, a sign of aging, which essentially could basically say that people that practice meditation long-term, they do not age, that their brains do not age. So what does that mean for the rest of your body and your physicality? I mean, that's one of those I always, even, you know, I've said that stat so many times, but even when I say it, I sit here and I go, holy cow, that's amazing. That is amazing. And what is the potential for us, again, as a species long-term, the more and more people that start to pick up and develop this practice? What are we going to look like in 2025 or 2050? It could be transformative. That's true. That's true. I love that you mentioned that the ancient part of the brain, the amygdala, keeps us always on guard. Yes. Keeps us wary of these messages, uh, keeps us negative and, and keeps us on the lookout for these threatening uh, signs. Uh, and, and I think a lot of industries are built around this fact, like movies, uh, the news oh, yeah. and so many other industries. When we go to a movie, uh, maybe a horror movie, you become scared as soon as the ghost or some other uh, you know character arrives. But actually, you're just staring at the screen. Logically, you're not supposed to get scared, but then obviously the way our mind is structured, it's like the caveman, we're always on the lookout for that saber tooth behind the bushes, but actually there's no saber tooth right now. So I like the fact that you mentioned that meditation, conscious meditation and practiced meditation shrinks that part of the body that keeps you worried, keeps you negative, keeps you petrified, so that you become more calm, relaxed. Yes. And and uh, it's true, <laughs> over the next 20, 25 years, if uh, a large portion of our uh, species adopts meditation, mindfulness, and all these positive practices, we will uh, definitely see uh, a huge spike, a huge growth in, in our evolution. So my question is... Oh, go, can I add one thing? To- yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. What is really interesting to me, too, is that the brain, like when you're watching a horror movie or, you know, all these uh, violent video games that are out there, your brain literally cannot distinguish if that is reality or not, even though logically we can sit here and say, oh, we know that this isn't true. So when you start to do these practices as well, you know, you just start to feel good and you it's almost like your brain shifts like... I- I don't want to watch these things anymore. I want to watch and be part of things that actually enhance me and make me feel happy. So also the shift in terms of what we want to start watching on TV, what we want to start listening to, like your podcast, how many more people are going to be drawn to that? Because I want, I want to hear good things. I want to see good things now because that's what my brain is charged to look for. So th- that part of it too, to me, is very, very exciting. Mm-hmm. 
So it's interesting that you mention games because yeah. I spoke about uh, horror movies and the news and these are things what a lot of adults are already into. But games, a lot of children, a lot of youngsters are playing uh, games and obviously are affected by these subliminal messages or by uh, what is portrayed in these games. So for somebody new to meditation and mindfulness, maybe for parents who want who envision a positive future for their kids, what is that first step that a person can take towards becoming mindful? So kids are a huge component. Like I'm sitting here and my hands are just coming towards my heart. I love working with children. And I'll throw this in as we talk about families because they intrinsically understand meditation. I mean, I'll have kids come into a first class and it's like adults will take several weeks. I'm not sure if I'm getting it. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's going to come. Just take your time. And kids will sit there and immediately go, oh, yeah, this is great. And then you talk to them about stress. Oh, my God, AJ, this is, I've got several videos that I've, I actually haven't posted yet. And I think this is going to um, prompt me to do that. But I had this group of seven and eight-year-olds talk about stress. And they sounded like 60 to 50-year-old adults mm-hmm. and describing what stress was and the way their little faces would contort when they started talking about that word, and it just amazed me. So for parents, one okay, one easy tool is to have dinners. Um, even if the dinners aren't cooked, um, and even if you can't do it every night, but just to sit down and have some mindful time where you're around your food, you're enjoying your food, you're talking about the day, your cell phones, telephones, TVs, newspapers, magazines are moved outside of the room, and you dedicate, you know, 10 to 15 minutes to just being together and listening and hearing about someone's day and being truly involved uh, because so much of with technology right now is we're, we're wanting this deep connection but it will only provide that on a minimal level we've got to get back and establish this human to human face to face mother to daughter father to son connection and baby that's what I'm all about <laughs> because I've, it's so important it is so important So it's interesting that you mentioned that kids understand meditation intrinsically. They're more in touch with their intuition. Yes. And parents, what can you do? Just have some mindful time with your kids, some social media and digital disconnect time, if you can put it that way, so that you become more engaged with each other's lives. It'll be hard, I'm sure, for the parents, but your kids, your kids will understand it they'll automatically get it because they're more in touch with their authenticity and their intuition and like you mentioned they get meditation much more easy as compared to adults so let's say a person listening to the show right now has decided to embark on a journey toward (gasps) becoming mindful and learning how to meditate okay what are what are some of the benefits that this person could experience now if you could break down these benefits into short term immediately okay. and then on the long-term basis as well. Well, it's so wild. There a lot of the long-term benefits I'm seeing can be short-term for people too. Uh, one example, I had a woman, a retired teacher who came into class, high blood pressure, which high blood pressure, one of the main indicators for that is stress. If you can relieve stress, you can really affect that challenge. She had done everything, tried all these different medications. Within three weeks, no kidding, we were doing an hour class once a week, three weeks, she went to her doctor and her doctor's like, what are you doing? Something is transforming in you. 
you know, for for some people that may take a little bit longer, but for her, it was three weeks because she got into it and suddenly she could feel her own body and connect to the sensations that she was having and she quickly learned how to control, control it. Um, so I, I would easily say short-term what many of the folks that I see go through in classes is kind of just this aha moment of understanding what the practice is and seeing these little connections and little details in their lives that they hadn't noticed before. So what I tell folks too is, you know, so much of our life is repetitious from getting up, taking a shower, making breakfast. So things can be very repetitive. But what mindfulness and meditation does is it brings excitement back into these things that we may consider monotonous. And when people get that little bit of joy in washing their hair or brushing their teeth, there's something really profound in that because there's such an expectation of, you know, when I meditate, I'm, you know, trying to achieve bliss. Well, that's bliss. It's not this dreamy ice cream and sprinkles world that you think it is. It's you, you know, pouring Crest or Colgate on your toothbrush and having a beautiful experience with that. You know, it's not having these glorious adventures and traveling the world. It's getting into your car and going to work and seeing the same people you see every day, but there being something just delicious in that because you're doing it with more depth and with more clarity. And then that's where the magic happens. So short-term, long-term, they all kind of mix together. Um, So many health benefits. This kind of goes into, um, I don't know if you I'm going to go ahead and talk about some of the success stories. Do you mind if I go ahead and kind of do that, AJ? Because this kind of ties in pretty well. Yeah, sure. Please go ahead. Okay. Um, one of the biggest success stories I think that I see in this work is there are certain, um, I guess, medical determinations. Okay. So say you're an alcoholic or you're a binge eater. And once you are that, basically the medical profession says you are that for the rest of your life. And one of the things that we are huge is we're all about changing perception. So one of the longer-term benefits you could say from this is if you are categorized, you are this, whether it's, again, an addict or, um, again, an alcoholic or you're a mean person or you're an overweight person or we are all about changing those perceptions. And for me, I don't believe that there's I believe that anything is possible, and we already have people in our classes now who are breaking out of those paradigms, who are showing that you cannot label me this, and that is what I'm going to be forever. So that when we talk about long-term in terms of breaking through breaking through anything in your life that you want to change, that doing this work makes it possible, totally makes it possible. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that there was a retired teacher who had excess stress and pressure from various aspects of her life. She came to you to learn mindfulness just once a week for one hour and in three weeks her doctor was completely in disbelief. So my question is did did the doctor come to you to learn mindfulness? (laughs) No, he didn't but darn it that's a great question. I need to go find out where he is. (laughs) But he was impressed with her so that's wonderful. True, true. And you mentioned that when you're a binge eater if you're obese or overweight the traditional approach is to put a label on you to put you in a bucket uh, or to categorize you into a type and that's very uh, limiting because it then uh, does not uh, allow the person to change but what you do is you remove that limitation and then you give them a plan of action a set of steps to follow and enable them to break through 
that limitation. So that's that's awesome because you're empowering people as opposed to uh, saying that things are not possible. Yeah, and when you get into meditation mindfulness, the key of it is to find out what makes you tick. And when you find out why you do the things you do, that's what truly allows you to create change. Yeah, but you have to be willing to look at the, the beautiful parts of yourself, the ugly parts of yourself. And again, we'll bring that term spiritual warrior into it. Yeah, you have to be willing to look at all of it and... It's important, it's hard, but man, it is the most, to me, one of the most rewarding things you can do for yourself and for everybody around you. Wonderful. Now, you shared some of the amazing benefits of meditation and mindfulness, and I think you spoke to this a bit, but could you talk to us about uh, some of the studies that have been conducted in this space that proves that you know meditation and mindfulness is indeed powerful? Oh, gosh, there are so many I may, on on my website, I've got a page that lists multiple studies. Um, I I sit here and I'm like, oh, what do I even start with? You know, there's, um, so what was that, a year ago, and this was a big one in my field that basically said that mindfulness rivals drugs in terms of helping with anxiety and depression. That was a really big one because I can't even remember who, uh, JAMA, J-A-M-A, did the study, highly regarded. And when they came out and said that, I remember everyone went, oh, my God, this is huge. I mean, pretty much any any ailment or challenge you can think, there are studies that shows that it helps with high cholesterol, PMS. Uh, again, the big ones that are related to stress, high blood pressure and diabetes. Um, I have people with chronic pain, fibromyalgia, again, depression, anxiety, PTSD, um, people that suffer from abuse. It, it's almost like, you know, I always say that kind of meditation mindfulness can be a panacea, but it, it truly is. Any challenge that anyone comes in who's dedicated to doing the work and to really find a practice i have seen them overcome everything everything mm-hmm. uh, i like that you mentioned that mindfulness rivals drugs in terms of competing with depression is that what you said yes yes great great because uh, i mean i i know traditional medicine at least right now has a very short-term approach yeah. to curing a problem and does not really consider the long-term effects. Right. So all these medicines and these pills and these tablets that we have, uh, well, they might uh, solve the case in you know in a few months, but long-term perspective, like you mentioned, that habit, that lifestyle of meditation and mindfulness and 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 yoga as well, right? Those are much more powerful, and I think uh, traditional medicine and practitioners are getting to know this and are incorporating more and more of these alternative healing modalities into uh, traditional medicine. Yeah. Oh, and it's so important, and it's time. It's so time. <laughs> we're ready. All of us meditation <laughs> gangsters, we're ready. <laughs> awesome. Now you're you're currently the founder and CEO of Just Be yes. Meditation, Mindfulness, and Wellness Company. What were you doing before this? Well, I was in the creative field and advertising, and at the time in Atlanta, Georgia. And yeah, that's, uh, you know, I'm so grateful for that business because it stressed me out. I loved it. Don't get me wrong, but it stressed Mm -hmm. me out so much that that is what led me to meditation. I was working probably 70, 90 hours a week and I, you know, it was my own fault. I can't really blame it on the job uh, because I allowed it to happen and I couldn't figure out how to break free of the cycle. And it was interesting too, because it wasn't, Ooh, I need to learn meditation. I'd heard about my soon to be teacher And she was described, or her classes were described by two friends of mine as one of the most life-changing things they'd ever done. And Mm -hmm. that just struck me because typically people don't really talk that way 
today about certain things. And I remember sitting there going, oh, life changing. I think that's what I need. And that's exactly what it, what it proved to be. Um, and I, I continued, I studied with my teacher in Atlanta for six years while I was still in uh, the creative industry. And when my husband's job was going to relocate us and move us out of the state, she basically said, you need to start teaching. And that, that was a, a hugely pivotal moment for me. Huge, because I, I never thought this would be my path. And now I can't imagine, I can't imagine doing anything else. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that you were in the creative field in yeah. advertising. Mm-hmm. And you spent 70 to 90 hours <laughs> Of work weeks, which I'm <laughs> yes. sure was really stressful, challenging, uh, and very pressure driven. And then you heard somebody, you know, speak about the life changing experience that they had. Yeah. And because of your situation, because of the fact that you wanted to change in any way possible, you were excited about that idea. And then you, that sparked an idea in your mind. And then you made that change. And it also speaks to me about the importance of uh, the mentor. Mentee oh, relationships because you were with your, your teacher, I think, for six years. Yes. And at a certain point, she said, You know what? You need to start teaching. Yes. And sometimes it's so beneficial to have that outsider's perspective who has seen uh, us live our life and do the various things uh, as well and, and can advice and can suggest uh, that, that in your case, you, you need to start teaching. Mm-hmm. And unless you have such trusted network or a mentor or uh, a coach, it's it's really challenging. Am I correct? Oh my God. And I to me, it's pivotal to put your faith in yourself in the trust of somebody else, I think is key in your spiritual transformation. And you know, there's so much you can do on your own, but you're right. Until you get that outside perspective or someone that you let in, like for me, I let her into my soul. And for me to be able to have the guts to do that, to trust someone to do that, to allow that to happen, now that I step out into the world, it makes me that much more trusting and caring of others. And you're right, without her, without her, I, would, I couldn't do what I do today. I couldn't. Because yeah, you're right. It's such, it's such a bigger thing than just having someone help you. It's having, it's having a, uh, guys, see, I'm getting my words all tied because I, I can't even put it into words because I can't even really describe it. It's <laughs> without her, I wouldn't let my guard down enough. Like I needed to let my guard down. I needed to be completely vulnerable and completely open and to trust that someone could handle that and they could help me. And in doing that, it, it, it has just made me that much more stronger. And again, it's so weird when you think about you have to kind of let yourself be quote-unquote weak to be strong you do in a sense you have to be able to let everything go and to show your complete messy side and to, to open it up to somebody else it's just it's powerful powerful mm-hmm. well thanks a lot for sharing oh, we yeah. have now reached the health tip round during which our <laughs> guests share one health tip something simple that oh. can be used immediately what is it one tip that you could share with our audience. Oh my gosh, just to <laughs> a couple times a day just to stop and just breathe, just to sit there and just feel your breath, feel the air coming through your nose, feel your body, and when you do that to just look around and just kind of take stock in how you feel, where you are, just checking in with you cuz so many times during life and it just passes us by. So if you can just do that literally 3 times a day, that can be transformative and keep you connected. <laughs> 
Well, thanks a lot for that awesome tip. Now, sure. opposition yeah. is a natural part of life. Just as we develop our physical muscles through overcoming opposition, yes, such as lifting weights, we develop our character muscles by overcoming challenges and adversity. Now, this is a beautiful thought shared by Stephen Covey, mm-hmm. and with that, we have reached. the challenge around the main theme for this part of the show is a major challenge or a learning moment so eden tell us about a time when you faced a major challenge take us to that moment and tell us how you were feeling at that point and then how did you approach that particular challenge well it's really interesting my challenge is ongoing i have a daughter with special needs and she has from a spiritual perspective been brought to me as basically a mirror of myself and up until this point she she just turned 14 what what she shows me the majority of the time is the things that i need to work on the most so i'm i'm looking forward to when we get to the point where she shows me how happy i am and how joyous i am um So the challenge with her is so she struggles ironically as I do work that involves the brain uh, her prefrontal cortex and other parts of her brain didn't fully develop so she is highly reactionary and is very challenged with it's very hard for you to be rational with her so my job with her and again I'm going to giggle because this it really is ironic is when our relationship is at its best is when i am calm and centered no matter what she brings my way and currently she brings me um opportunity to practice that so many times during the day so literally at times she she can get very, she can go from um very excited to very angry in seconds and my job is regardless of where she is to be that calm spot and you know it's different when it's someone outside of your life when it's your own child there's such a dedication there and such a desire to be the strongest person that you can be so man that chickadee she keeps me in check every day of my life and there's a part of me at times it goes oh her name's Tatum I go Tatum can we just have a break today but then I just trust that god and the universe basically has said not only can you handle this but if you can do this it's going to allow you to help so many other people and i i'm so when i talk about teachers she is for better for worse <laughs> she is my greatest teacher and at this point continues to be one of my greatest daily challenges hmm. so looking back now what is that one major life lesson you would want our listeners to take away oh, gosh. from your story <sighs> that life life will bring you what you need and it may not be how you picture it to be but you have to open up oh god I'm going to get teary here you have to open up and you have to trust it and you have to be willing to love you have to be willing to love to love the life that you're given to love the people that are are in your life and to trust that there is a bigger picture purpose to all of it mm-hmm. i like that <laughs> I like that. That makes me happy. Thank you for asking me that. Thanks a lot for sharing your story with us and your story is a perfect example of when you change the way you look at things, the things that you look at begin to change uh, yeah. quote by uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer. I know it's not easy at all to re- relive a moment of challenge but because you had the courage to uh, overcome that challenge, change the way you look at things and have that uh, plan of action and that hope our listeners have one more reason to believe that a challenge is not 
the end of the road and with that we are moving on to the next portion of our show which is all about finding your true calling or your purpose now kinchina ragnachi once said figure out what your purpose in life is what you really want and what you truly want to do with your life and time and then be willing to sacrifice everything and then some to achieve it if you're not willing to make that sacrifice then keep searching so my question to you eden have you found your calling if yes what is your calling <laughs> uh, yes yes let me say it more emphatically yeah it is you know i i one point in my job when things were getting started i would you know so i have a teacher here as well and i would go to her and i'm like oh you know i only have two to three people in my classes you know when are things going to start getting bigger and her point that she would always come back to me is she would say it isn't the size or the number of people that you have just look at those people and notice the change and how they're evolving and it really got me back to the importance of what I do that, you know, there, there is a part of me still that I have very broad and expansive goals and I want to be able to touch tons of people in their life. But really at the end of the day, it's that kind of this interesting contradiction you get into when you do meditation mindfulness work that it really doesn't matter. And the more I let go of that, the more people I have come and the more people that I, I get to touch. So my calling really when you stream it down is to live a life of balance and authenticity and fearlessness. And when I do that, the people that I need to share that with will show up that, you know, again, I'm very much into a business and a business plan, but really, uh, none of that really matters. But then it does. I mean, you get this contradiction. I mean, everything in meditation, mindfulness is a contradiction. Like I give people, hey, in your meditation, I want you to do this, but then I also don't want you to have an expectation. <laughs> so it's all this, this back and forth. But it, I guess really, it's, it's, at the end of the day, it's to have a joyous life where you feel inspired and excited. And that's my life. And I, I love it. So I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, no matter what that looks like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wonderful story. You initially mentioned that you had just two to three people yeah. in your class. But your teacher told you it's not about the numbers. Right. Because you need to treat every oh, new yes. number in quotations as a human being. A human being who is now experiencing a breakthrough because of you. And I think this is also for people in the service uh, business or entrepreneurs, for marketers, people say that, you know, it's all about the email list, you know, and how big your email list is. But at the end of the day, it's not about those 5,000 or 10,000 people that you have in your email list. It's about who are these people within that email list? Yeah. You know, even if you are affecting 100 people's lives positively then that's awesome because these 100 people are going to tell 100 more people and they're going to tell 100 more people and that multiplies all because of your intention behind focusing on just one person and enabling that change even on one person uh, or even on two to three people who were in your class and i think that snowballed into where you are today so thanks for sharing oh you're welcome so based on what we've discussed life is about identifying that magical moment that instant which is truly ours because we know beyond that moment that our life is going to change so what is that one moment that you can share with our listeners that one moment beyond (sighs) which you knew without a doubt that this is what you were meant to do let's go back in time and let's hear that story okay all right i'm gonna get all spiritual i'm gonna get all spiritual on you guys (laughs) so 
when I started meditation, this was in, in my 20s, and I was already having physical challenges, like I was on the border of high blood pressure. You know, thing, things were coming, and I, I tell folks that if I hadn't started this, my feeling is I would be very ill at this point or possibly not around uh, because I'm very mm-hmm. driven. So I went in thinking this is about finding balance. This is about learning how to live my life peacefully. But what I really ended getting out of it, which was the bigger picture thing for me, was I had never really had a connection with God. And again, when I say God, please use whatever term fits best for you. I, as a child, I grew up in the deep South in the, in the States and was um, one of the few people that didn't go to church. So I rode my bicycle to church. You know, I looked in so many different places to find that bigger picture source and that bigger picture connection. And I could never find it. And what meditation did for me was, I told God, I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to be one of those people that's going to have this blind faith, because I didn't grow up in it, it wasn't something that was intrinsic to me, you're going to have to hit me over the head. And that's what happened in meditation. I was given this clear picture that I am not alone, that there's so much more to this world, and for that, I am so grateful because there's I just know that there's so much more to my existence and me just being here the same with all of your listeners that we all have purpose and that we are all put here because we are connected to so much greatness and we all have that ability to influence and to change the world just in our living room with what we think about ourselves and what we think about others um, so gosh did that answer the question yes it did pretty much <laughs> okay Oh, gosh, that, I just tell that story and I just get so, I am so, and I guess that's why I do this work because I'm so grateful for it because it's given me a connection to humanity and to God and to everything. And it, mm-hmm. it just makes me see that everybody, every person on this planet is so important. And if you're struggling out there, I hope you hear this and just know that you are, you have so much to give and you just being here is wonderful and we need you here. Thanks a lot for sharing uh, your story, Eden. Yes. And with that, we've reached the final round, which is called the wisdom round. Okay. Where I will ask you a series of questions and you will respond with nuggets of wisdom, just like <laughs> in a rapid fire round. So are you ready? Yeah, let me get happy because that last one got me like all interperspective. <laughs> I'm not going to say that word. Okay, I'm ready for wisdom. Ready. Awesome. So what is the best <laughs> advice okay. you have ever received? Oh my gosh, that you can change your mind, that you can change your mind. I used to be such a black and white kind of person and also a, well, if I, I say this, that, that that is my word. And it's not that I go back on my word, but I'm very mindful and purposeful that if I said something a week ago and I've really sat with it, that I give myself the permission now to say that I was wrong or that that wasn't the best way to go about it. And that that is a freeing, freeing, freeing thing. Mm-hmm. Now, great habits can be transformative. So, what is that one personal habit that changed your life? Oh, God, to lighten up and to laugh. That things can be so serious and we can take them so serious. We can take ourselves so seriously, which I think was part of uh, where I used to be with myself. That, gosh, just lighten up. Please, everybody, me, lighten it up. Laugh, for gosh sakes. Really, when we're, we're put here on this earth, it really is just 
and again, I'm not trying to make this trite that it's to have a good time, but it is. It's to enjoy each other. So let's do that. So what is your morning ritual like? Could you describe the first two hours of your day? Sure. Well, this is a really interesting question. I had uh, one of my students come to me a couple weeks ago and talk about his spiritual practice and really needing to hone in a spiritual practice. Uh, because my, my two hours during the day shift all the time. And, and again, this may change for me as time goes on, but I don't have a specific laid out ritual. Again, if my whole life and purpose is about being connected and being mindful, then that's what I do all day, and that's my continual ritual. Now, I say that, but I also do start at least probably five mornings a week with a 30-minute meditation, and this is a really good statistic for people that uh, it has been proven that meditation is actually more restorative than sleep. So when my company started getting busier, you know, the great part about my life is that my job is meditating, so I get to meditate a lot during the day, Um, but that I, I needed to maintain that time for myself and that commitment to do it on my own. So now I cut my sleep 30 minutes short, again, at least five times a week to allow that my time meditation time in the morning. And I I do think that that is very, very important for me and and for everybody just to give yourself that own, your own little moment, whether it's again, five minutes, 10 minutes or 30. Mm -hmm. Now, book reading is a great habit, but sometimes all it takes is one book to change your life. So if you could recommend one book that changed your life, what would it be? One of my still favorite all-time books is A Path with a Heart by Jack Kornfield. When I picked it up and read it, it was the first time that I had read something that describes the work that I do. And it's not just, ooh, I love this book because it describes it describes me and this, this work, but the way he described it and the way he talks about the purpose of what meditation and mindfulness is. Um, okay, and I'm not sure if I'm going to get the story exactly right, but he went off to a Buddhist monastery, you know, became this wonderful practitioner, and he could do these heart meditations, you know, where he could open his heart to the whole world. And then he came home to New York, and within a week, all of that was shot. And it was because he learned to do all this work very solitarily. Um, and then in coming home, he realized that he still hadn't done the deep work with himself and his family and all of these relationships. So it really is getting to the one seat and sitting down with yourself and looking at yourself so deeply. And again, being that spiritual warrior. And he describes what that takes, what it entails with such great passion. And his descriptions are just um, fabulous, fabulous. Mm -hmm. So action takers, you can find links to all the resources that we talk about in the show notes. Yes. So Eden, it was an amazing experience talking to you today. And I'm sure our listeners will return to this very episode from time to time if they feel that they need a reminder about the benefits of meditation and mindfulness. So before you go, tell us one thing that you're really grateful for today. Tell us the best way we can find you and then we'll say goodbye. I'm just grateful for you finding me. And again, I, I so... I'm so passionate about what I do and meditation and mindfulness and just to get to talk about it and knowing that, you know, again, when we talk about numbers that maybe if one person that listens to this and it sparks something inside of them or if a hundred people listen to it, again, it really doesn't matter. But just to have this connection with you there in Canada and me being in Akron, Ohio of all places, <laughs> I, I'm just thankful for you. 
Oh, my goodness. Well, thanks a lot for coming on our show. Yeah, you're welcome. And then for me, you know, I have a website, justbemeditation.com. And I think we're going to get much more into doing YouTube things because, again, I love doing this and kind of talking and helping inspire people. So look for that. And gosh, just reach out, whether it's me or anyone doing this work. Find, find somebody. It's, it's beautiful. Well, Eden, thanks for appearing on My 7 Chakras today and taking our listeners one step closer to a human revolution. Oh, that's wonderful. AJ, thank you so much. And thank you for all that you do. You are listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today.